no fly list. As far as the no fly list, no fly list, no fly list. If you are not with us, let's let's let's. The most problematic thing is, is that any, any, anyone can be under the investigation of the FBI. FBI, FBI. FBI, FBI. And I know that something really good is going to come out of all of this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another week of the No Fly List, where we talk to comedians, artists, musicians, and other cool and interesting people of color. I'm Athir. And I'm Sabine. And today we had amazing spoken word artist, rapper, um, just an awesome, beautiful human being, uh, Mona Haidar. She was Woo! amazing. She has a new three-part uh, docu-series that's coming up on PBS uh, called The Great Muslim American Road Trip, which I'm so excited to watch. I cannot wait to see. I Number one, like, I want to see all of the guests and, like, you know, who who was she interviewing on, all, on like, this trip? It sounds like, I mean, she's, I love Mona. I feel like she's just been... She's such an inspiring person. She is. She's very spiritual. You'll hear in this. Um, she's very grounded. Very grounded. And you'll hear that. And I think um, she talks about her experience of going to New Mexico, living off the grid mm -hmm. for a couple of years, meeting her husband, who's yeah. um, a white Muslim convert. And then they're actually doing the series together, which is super cool. And we get to hear yeah. about their story. And it's I, fascinating yeah. seeing like a couple like come together and work together in yeah. like a creative way. Yeah. It's just it's. It's so cool. Yeah, and I, I and you guys should definitely check out like Buena's music. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's awesome, and like just hearing about her her backstory because you know we've grown up with like you know conservative Muslim parents, and having to tell them about comedy is not easy. So I imagine right. you know she talks about her experience of like when her parents um, saw her perform for the first time, which is mm -hmm. super cool, and just how we have to keep breaking things to our parents and like oh, we, yeah, yeah well, like we even though like we live here in the U.S., they still want us to have the same, like, exact traditions and values of, like, the, you know, our, right. our, our respective, like, original countries. Yeah. But And it was so interesting hearing, yeah. like, the similarities that she had with comedians on, like, you know, your first open mic as a, you know, yeah. like, doing spoken word. And, like, it's cool how she explained, like, her how she developed in Michigan and what how she found her tribe there and being welcomed know? by the black community yeah. of artists and and musicians and how they helped her kind of find her voice and I thought that was so special and very cool to hear very, about very special and I think I liked hearing about I actually did really like hearing about the um just her experiences like you know being like a Muslim hijabi woman and like how she, like she was explaining all like the little microaggressions that I never thought about and I was yeah. like sometimes I, and it made me really like think about okay well I'm Muslim I'm not wearing a hijab so there's a lot that I don't have to deal with right and, right. and hearing her story and her side of it was just a new perspective and I, I hadn't thought about certain things and I was like wow yeah and we were also talking about like she moved from New York back to um, Michigan and because she wanted her kids to also be around the Arab yeah. community and that's got to be hard to take into consideration all of these different things like raising your kids also in America but have like giving them this culture it's got to mm -hmm. be hard like it really made me think about my own parents and their experiences yeah yeah before we get to Mona's episode, we are going to get to our first segment, the no fly list, no fly list. So this is a segment where we put people who we think shouldn't fly instead of innocent and brown folks like ourselves. Um, so Sabine, who do we have for this week? For this week, we have the Haram. <laughs> You're like, we're, we 
we had two that we were thinking about. I would put the Haram police. You know, Let's do the people, Haram police on this one. I, I don't know if I've done it before, but it just keeps coming up where people want to tell you, basically, if you guys don't know what the Haram police are, oh, they're basically boy. just like people who volunteer to tell you that everything that you do is quote-unquote Haram or against your religion, even though they yeah. don't really interpret the religion properly. Right. It's just basically their point of view. They're, usually it's just like men that are angry that you're living your life happily and that yeah. they, you know, maybe... I'm wanting to control you, essentially. Wanting to control you, yeah. Like, for, well, I think I have a very specific example, just like posting, I think all of us posting our clips on TikTok mm -hmm. and other things, you'll you'll really find the, the you know, Haram police there. Like, yeah. I would have men reach out to me and be like, this joke that you did about your mom going to a bar and watching your comedy oh, is Haram. Yeah. Yeah. You are a disgrace to Muslims and like all this stuff. And I'm like, buddy, I practice and this is just a real experience. Like, calm down. Yeah, and I think it also, unfortunately, seeps in with our own with women too because it's been so drilled into us that you have other women also mm -hmm. telling you the same thing and oh, yeah. we even talked about this in like Mono's episode growing up like with music being haram and and like the a voice of a woman being um you know uh, I guess I, I don't know what the term is like uh seductive yeah in, in, in English yeah so anything like a woman <laughs> being does like not married seductive. and on stage yeah and like, like, <laughs> it's like what is she doing and and none of that is in the religion and you no. really like none of these people really take the time to interpret it and like focus on the beautiful parts of it, which is like love yeah. and, and, and community. They and focus on creating more rules. They exactly. overcomplicate things because if they make up more rules, guess what? They're closer to God. I yeah. think that's really another thing. Yeah, and so uh, hypocrites too. I guess that yeah, could just be generally. Uh, mm -hmm. So they you don't get to fly, okay? Yeah, uh, no flying, buddy. You get to ride your camel. You or get donkey. you get to continue <laughs> watching TikTok and being sad. Yeah, stop posting. We're not gonna read the comments. Yeah. Okay? Sabine might, but don't. I will, <laughs> and I will cry afterwards. <laughs> Please try not to do it. Yeah, don't. Um, but I think you guys are gonna really love Mona's episode. It was just so, ah, uh, just really awesome and and grounding and comforting and we hope you guys enjoy as much as we did hi mona welcome hey what's up <laughs> we just up? embarrassed uh yeah. sabine on air it's okay i'm learning you know i i just like a little dairy in there oat milk you know because i'm also lactose that's intolerant. a funny thing yeah yeah any kind of milk but um yeah it's so nice to see you again it's yeah. been ages now how how's everything been it's been good. I've moved a couple of times since I saw you. Are you still in New York? I am. I saw that you moved. Where are you now? We're in Michigan now. Oh, okay. With the cool. tribe, all the Arab. The <laughs> you know, I had kids and my older son wanted to change his name to Jason. And I was like, all right, got to gotta give back to my people. <laughs> it's, it's either Michigan <laughs> or back to sign. Syria. But basically, yeah, same thing, right? <laughs> you're like, Jason, we're moving home. Um, exactly. <laughs> Oh my God. I, I think we've all had those moments. Like Mona, you're lucky your name can go for both. So pro people yeah. probably didn't have uh, as hard of a time saying like Athea and Sabine probably like. Yeah, those are like, yeah. Cause I have a cousin whose name is Ismail and I feel like that passes too. Yeah. Right? Except they just say Ishmael. Yeah. Which is technically not right. It's but not so right. There's no, there's no sh in it, but you know, whatever. Um, totally. And it's interesting because I have six older siblings. And so they kind of named me because they got all those names, you know, so. Uh, oh, they yep. protected you. <laughs> that's yeah. great. They put it to a vote, funny enough. And that's how I got my name. Well, what were the other names in the running? Uh, let's see. Uh, my dad wanted me to be called Bushra. Bushra. Oh, God. Okay. So that's my aunt's name. That's my I don't, aunt's it's, name. It's an old... <laughs> 
It's, it's kind of it's an old a beautiful school. name. It has it's a beautiful, beautiful meaning. If you're 90. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's my mom's older yeah. sister's name. Was, no, I love my aunt yeah. Bushra and, and I have a Me cousin too. named that after. But it is, <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's in English, traditional. it's not as nice. Like, you know, there's certain names that like just sound better in their original language. And then uh-huh. when you try to say them in English, people just butcher it. And then you're like, eh. Yeah, that's one of them. Yes. And then there were a few others and my siblings were like, no, how about just Mona, M-O-N-A, like a very basic spelling. And, you know, sometimes I actually wish people had to work a little bit harder for it, you know? Uh, they but, don't though. That's, they just, they just end up messing it up. And sometimes the harder they work, you're like, please stop. Like, don't like, yeah. they like over pronounce yeah. the name or just like want to sound like even more like, you know, they know. roll the R's too They'll many They'll find times. ways to overcomplicate. Yeah. yeah. I don't even introduce myself as Mona anymore, which I used to do. I just say my name, Mona. Now, like wherever I go, because I'm just like, you know what? I don't need to do that to myself. It's already happening everywhere I go. I can just Mm -hmm. like be me and say my name the way that it actually is, you know, rather than almost like putting everybody else first and making everybody else comfortable around me. You know, like you guys have this awesome podcast name. That's the, that's the whole idea is like, we're always having to put everybody else at ease. Like, especially for me, like on an airplane, you know, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I'm nice. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not hijabi. threatening. Yeah, it's like you, you cannot like having you can't have like a bitchy moment when you're visibly like Muslim or mm-hmm. Arab or Pakistani or ethnic, especially on a plane. You got to be like this, like, hey, look how non-threatening I am, which is so. And I just walk on the airplane like so happy. I'm like so excited to be here. How's everybody doing? I love coach. I mean, I ride coach. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> I love sitting in the back by the bathroom. Yeah. This is I feel. Um, so happy. Um, Absolutely. And on my way there, especially, you know, you, you get an opportunity to wave to the whole plane. So yeah, there you go. And so you're back in your hometown actually, or no, you grew up in Michigan. I grew up in Flint and now we live in Ann Arbor. Okay. Oh, nice. How is it being back to kind of like your home state? Um, honestly it's mixed, but, but Mostly it's really good. Um, yesterday I took my kids out the house. They were like going stir crazy. They're out of school already. And I was just like, we got to leave the house. So we walked over to my mom's. She lives like five minutes away. And we walked over there and I was like, all right, mama, let's walk back over to my house. And I swear to God, on our walk back home, we stopped and picked grape leaves and mulberries Aww. like along the way. Those are my favorite things. I just got back from Palestine and I was doing that like along the road. Oh. I was like, oh, there's some. I didn't mulberry. know you could pick grape leaves. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. And I love that. Literally, we came to my house and cooked all the grape leaves. And it was like, I'm not going to lie. It was like idyllic, you know, and I just wouldn't mm-hmm. have that anywhere else. And there's a need for us to feel home, you know, because sometimes when we go out in the world, it's it doesn't always feel safe and home. It doesn't feel warm and welcoming. So I just wanted to raise my kids around that. So that was the main reason mm, we're yeah. here. Yeah. I love that. I, I completely get that. And that's why, like, our, my parents, like, kept, you know, that we lived in Palestine and kept kind of moving back and forth. Um, really they wanted to stay there, but because it was so unstable and dangerous, they were like, okay, Mm -hmm. let's come back. But that sense of belonging, like this last trip, I just got back like Monday and there's, 
it's real. Like you don't, once you have it, it's so hard to go without it. Like when yeah. you're in your own community and you feel like the sense of belonging, it's really hard to find and to replicate. And it's so mm -hmm. important. And then I started doing research on it. And like, it's like in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like this sense of belongingness that oh. we need. It's like a human need um, psychologically to fit in and belong. So mm -hmm. it's not just like, oh, yeah, I just want to be around other people that look like me, but it's, like, the sense of, like, oh, home and, and every, every, like, sense of the word. Yeah, it's not a preference. It's not based on comfort. It's an actual requirement for a healthy, whole, holistic life, you know, to see people who look like you around you. It does a number on you when you, when yeah, you don't have yeah. that. You know, and we can talk about media forever, but that's one of the reasons why, like, representation matters so much and not cheap representation, like actual, like cultural compassion. When you're seeing somebody who looks like you, you feel like, oh, you know, like maybe I'm, maybe I'm all right, <laughs> you know, like yeah. maybe I'm okay. And there's just something so sweet and real about that. Yeah. It's, it's irreplaceable. It is. I totally agree. I grew up in an all white neighborhood and, um, I didn't, I guess my parents put me in Sunday school for, for years. And I'm realizing now how important that was for me to just be around people that were like me because I didn't have that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's like now I have like a different appreciation for all those years, even though I was like, I hate Sunday school. But I was like, well, I kind of needed that actually. Be around other people. that. Yeah. Look, yeah. Yeah. It's so important. Um, and I, I'm for you too, like when I like you. Have, you know, with your music and everything, you are creating a space of mm -hmm. uh, showing representation for Muslim women. And um, can you talk about a little bit of that journey of like yeah. getting into music and like what, what got you into it? I'm sure you get asked this all the time as comedians were like, mm -hmm. tell us your origin story, but like... No, no, it's... For it's, the listeners. It's, <laughs> totally. Um, I, I will just say, just back to what we were talking about, I left for 10 years. So there is also something to going off and kind of figuring mm -hmm. yourself out for a mm -hmm. little bit before, before you, you come back home. And I really believe in that. Um, I think that's also very important to be, to be around people who aren't like you, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I, I value that at a, at a very high level in my life and it's, it's served me a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Flint, um, I guess I, I guess I should start at the beginning. I was born in Saudi Arabia, um, but I'm Syrian, and my family came here in 1971. So it's a whole it's a whole story. Um, and then the Gulf War happened, um, and my family was basically like, "All right, we got to get back to America." And so we were here um, through all of that, and I was raised in Flint. And um, it was a beautiful place to be raised. You know, I know it has a sort of a bad reputation, but, you know, for me, it's actually where I found my voice. It's where I learned how to do spoken word poetry. It's where I was taught how to write. Um, it's where I was taught how to perform. You know, it, it is literally by virtue of being in proximity to Black people that I even learned what, you know, that I was valuable as a human being, you know? And so I owe a lot to the, the, the vibrant black artist community in Flint, Michigan that taught me, you know, how to, how to, 
how to perform, how to write, how to speak from my heart and share my stories. And, um, you know, I was 14 years old, got up to the mic at an open mic and nothing came on my mouth. It was so <laughs> embarrassing. Um, I know you as comedians, you understand like sometimes, oh boy. You know, we humiliate I, ourselves. I, was like, I just remembered my Told, first mic yeah, and I was like, oh, that wasn't good. Oh, it's that so was humiliating. Bad. Yeah. But I wish I was quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can have your stuff memorized. You can have it, you know, perfect. And then you yeah. get up there and you're just like, what's my name again? You know, yeah, like, oh my God. I, yeah, I had so such true. bad like public speaking anxiety and fear. So, mm-hmm. um, were you like kind of like when you were home, you were practicing on your own or like just totally. something that you enjoyed doing? And then you're like, what was the uh, motivation to get in front of people from doing it at home? I had been writing poems for so long. And then I went to my first um, spoken word poetry slam and I saw it and I swear to God, like, I can't even explain to you. I I fell in love. Like I fell hard. It was this, like I get goosebumps just, just like talking about it. It was this like magical, mystical experience for me. I, I felt, I felt transported. I felt like, man, there's, there's like other people, like there's other poets in the world. I, I could do that too, maybe, you know? And there was just something so sweet about the way they, the poets interacted with one another, the way they supported one another, the the way, like, even some of them would have each other's poems memorized, you know, and, oh. and like, you know, and then at the end of every poem, they would snap and support the, the artist and the, the community was just so vibrant. And I was like, okay, I want to be a part of that. And I'm, I'm pretty introverted and shy and, and it took me a lot to actually get up the courage to, to try. So it took me almost a year of like memorizing my poems to be like, all right, I want to, I want to try. And I'd been going to open mics and I just, I had really good friends also who were like, you could do this, you know? That's important. Yeah. Well, what about, what about your parents? Were they like supportive of you just like, you know, taking the leap and doing it in front of people? Like, how did they feel? Do about they it? know? Until this or, day. Do they, should we tell them? Let's get them on I the call. I didn't necessarily yeah. tell anyone. I didn't necessarily tell them um, what I was up to. You know, uh, I wasn't hiding it. You know, I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong. But also, you know, I I grew up in a in a household where, for instance, like music was considered haram in a big mm-hmm. way. You know, especially like pop music and you know, just anything really on the radio, popular music, um, anything American, you know, was just right. like wrong. Did you get bad, accused bad of being Americanized all the time by listening yeah. to American? It was like, well, yeah, we're in America. I am American. I'm a little Americanized. Yeah. It's I, happening. I'm sorry. What was I supposed to like live like, like in a it, bubble? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like parents, this is your fault if I am. Yeah. Like, you exactly. did this to us. You did it. You did mm-hmm. this. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Like I said, it wasn't so much that I was hiding it, but it, I wasn't sure about it myself, you know? So I didn't feel the need to like blast it to all seven of my siblings and tell everybody what I was up to and doing. Plus I had, like I said, I had really, really amazing friends who were so supportive and loving and wonderful. And we kept each other in check in a real way. Like we were real good friends. Um, And they wouldn't let me do anything that was bad for me, you know, and and same way I wouldn't let them go out and do anything that was bad for them. And this community, like, I gotta say it was wholesome, you know, like there's nothing going on at these slams, at least when I was coming up. 
that was, you know, bad. It was, if anything, it was like spiritual. It was profound. It was, mm-hmm. you know, activisty. It was like mm-hmm. talking about the issues of the day, you know, and, and it was beautiful. And, um, you know, so for me, that's kind of my origin story into art and how I got into it. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, just talking about the parents piece is so funny because, you know, my parents, they didn't actually hear me perform until I was like almost 20 years old, you know, and I'd been wow. doing it. I'd been doing it a good while at that point. And I'd won competitions and I'd been all over. I traveled the country doing it at wow. that point. So it was it was interesting. Yeah. It's wow. a good thing that they saw you later when you were like <laughs> at your peak and you're like, see mom and dad, this is a good thing. That's, but yeah. What was their cool. reaction to it when the first time that they saw? I, it was actually at an Islamic conference that I first, that they first heard me. Whoa. So it was so kind of mad at that. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were, they were like lightweight, proud, also a little concerned, like, you know, about Hasid, evil eye, yeah. Nazad, all of that. They were like, Oh, like you're not married. You know, people are going to evil eye you. You're never going to get married. People are going to think you're too out there that, you know, I'm still like, getting wow. that from my mom. I was like, that's all yeah, the yeah, same criticism like, that I've you're been a getting. Comedian. I'm like, okay, 100%. that's going to intimidate somebody. Then I don't want to be with somebody like that. Word. Yeah. Word. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a whole, it was a whole lot of different stuff mixed up, but mostly it's, it's like shame, you know, um, mm-hmm. all of it just ends up the root of it all ends up being shame. And that's the reality. And when you're able to like, see that and just say like, I'm not doing anything shameful, you know, like just because you have a cultural like understanding of what shame is to you doesn't necessarily mean that I believe that my voice is haram, that I believe my voice is shameful, that I shouldn't use my voice to beautify the world if I possibly can. You know, and so for me, it took a lot of soul searching. Like, I'm not going to lie. You know, it set me back a little bit um, and I gave it up more than once. You know, I definitely had to sit back and be like, you know, I don't I don't want to bring shame upon my family. Like, (laughs) this is not what I was set up to do. I'm just trying to write poems. I'm trying to perform. I'm trying to make a living on doing what I love, you know, and um, and hopefully make the world a better place in the process. Gosh, I have so many. I'm so. I'm really excited. First of all, to uh, hear your story being publicly like told on PBS with the mm-hmm. Great Muslim American Road Trip, and so it's going to be you and your husband, right, going on a road trip, and it's like a five part series. And um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because the three part, three part series. Um, well, now we got to make it five parts. <laughs> yeah, we got to add a couple. <laughs> Listen, if they do the checks, it'll be five parts. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them you want to hit up yeah. New York Tell and chat with us. Know. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you, yeah. So how long have you been married now? And and I'm, I'm so curious about, because Sabine and I, talk, you know, we str- we're not married. We struggle mm-hmm. talking about like, it's hard to find somebody also that's like, uh, whatever, Muslim and uh, for me, like Arab or maybe like Pakistan or people that, you know, our parents mm-hmm. want on paper for us to bring home. So I'm super curious, even just like from that perspective, like how did that go down with your family? And then like also like how um, the great Muslim American road trip came to be and how you're going to, um, how that's going to look. Yeah. Yeah. Um- 
the the great Muslim American, the great Muslim American road trip. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> it, it changed. It changed. So it's the great Muslim American road trip, and you know, it was it was interesting when we got the call. It was like mid pandemic, you know, not that the pandemic is over, but it, oh, yeah. it was a year in and we got this call and they were like, Hey, we're, we're playing with this idea and we'd love you guys for this, for this project. And <clears throat> at that point, you know, I hadn't worked in over a year cause all my stuff got canceled as I'm sure all of your stuff did too. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for a check, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> let's go. And, um, you know, we were, we were interested in like settling down, finding a house, you know, we didn't want to pay rent anymore. Like I'm ready for a down payment. Like yeah. we're grown. We got a bunch of kids. Like it's, it, we're, we're, we're trying to be responsible and invest and, you know, just trying to be smart. And, um, so it was the first thing that came, I'm just going to be really honest. It was, it, it came around and we were just like, you know, alhamdulillah, this is from God. And, um, it was cute. You know, we like the idea. It's not like we don't, we didn't have um, creative control over it, which was really hard for me, but I, I loved the concept, you know, and, and for me, that was enough. And I liked, uh, I love UPF and what they've done in the past. So that was enough, you know, because I think I'm an artist, I come into it with a lot of ideas and I, I would hope for a little more control, but you know what? Like sometimes it's okay to just let go and, and let things flow and let somebody else take the, the wheel. And, and it, it ended up being super blessed. It was, um, it was a good, um, career move for, for us. You know, I'd never done anything with that much visibility at that level. So that was fun and, and exciting in a way. And I'm a big fan of PBS. I grew up on Mr. Rogers. So yeah. From- oh, so- Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Mr. Rogers was goals. I just mm-hmm. love him so much. And um, I, I'll just show you really quick for those of you listening. I have a little Mr. Rogers, like little oh, advices that he gives. That's so cute. I love that. You really are so cute. Like sometimes other people will surprise you with things you never knew they could do. The truth is inside of us. And it's wonderful when we have the courage to tell it. You know, like I like that one. I like that too. I just love, you know, that kind of honest, sincere stuff. And I'm here for it. So when I heard it was on PBS, I was excited. And um, maybe that makes me like dorky and nerdy, but it is what it is. So we started in Chicago and um, we talked to a lot of different people you know, we went to a bunch of different places. You'll see if you watch the the first episode and it was cute. You know, Chicago's a, a really fun city and that's where Route 66 starts. And then we made our way right down into the heartland. And that was, I gotta say, it's not someplace like I didn't have that on my bucket list. You know, I didn't ever really want to like go see Tulsa. You know, it wasn't like <laughs> something I really wanted to do. <laughs> But I was so surprised, you know, there's just such beautiful people doing incredible stuff. And I'm talking to them, hearing their stories, eating really good food along the way. So that was just like, it was wonderful. Um, We made stops along the way in a lot of major cities. And then, um, yeah, we ended up in Los, Los Angeles. And that was, you'll see it over the course of three episodes. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see this. And how was it like as a 
it must have been like also a nice bonding experience with your husband. Is he also like in um, media or did you just like rope him into this? And you're like, all right, we're going to put everything out there. He doesn't even have Facebook. Like he he's not even like, he's not even, he's, he's older. And so his whole thing was like, Facebook was, wasn't even around when he was back in college, you know? So for him, it was like, ah, do I want to join this thing that I don't know anything about when it was first coming out? And he never did. And to his credit, he's never joined any social media. He's never done anything like super public. And then we did the Ask a Muslim Project together. And that was kind of his idea. And, you know, I, I'm Ask a Muslim every day of my life. Like I walk yeah, out in my yeah. hijab and that's just what people see. That's kind of who I am. And so for him as a white man, it was like, it was this transformative experience for him to go out and talk to people and for him to be known as a Muslim. You know, he can, know, looking at him, you don't expect him to be a Muslim. Let's just be honest, mm -hmm. you know? We we try our, heart, our hardest not to have biases, but you don't look at a six foot tall, blue eyed, redheaded white man and say, oh, that's a Muslim, you know, <laughs> unless mm -hmm. you're in Chechnya or something like that. Or from Hebron. Yeah. There's a lot of them in Hebron. <laughs> you go to northern Pakistan, you'll find a couple. Yeah, but people don't even know that even there. People are like, yeah. wait, are you? Yeah. Um, but it's true. People have these biases yeah. for sure. And um, does he talk about like his experience? Like, uh, I'm assuming he's a convert unless his parents are like cool hippie Sufis that converted. <laughs> That's usually the only time when I meet like a white Muslim. It's one of those two. Either the <laughs> convert parents are Sufi. Totally, totally same. <clears throat> he, um, no, he's a convert. He converted um, the year after we met. Uh, actually, mm -hmm. the first year we met. And then we got married the next year. Um, we met at an interspiritual um, retreat center and community called Lama Foundation in northern New Mexico. I was interning and he was um, he had already been living there two years. And um, I showed up actually on my birthday, um, not knowing anybody, not knowing what the heck I was doing there. I just showed up and because I, I had seen a flyer on social media of like, <laughs> hey, if you're interested in permaculture, come join us for the summer as a you know, wow. summer intern, summer steward. And so I did it. And the cheapest flight happened to be on my, my 24th birthday. So I actually met him on my 24th birthday. And um, I'm not even joking. A year later, we were engaged and planning our wedding. So that's Aww. amazing. That's beautiful. That's Is, was this uh, internship, was this part of, because I, I looked up a little bit about you and you went to northern Mexico for like a couple of years as like a retreat. Was that a different time? No, it was northern New Mexico. Yeah. Okay, got it. So you ended up staying, like you went as an intern and then you just ended up staying for a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. It was it was kind of this like, you know, Flint, Flint had just got hard. You know, when you're in a place for a long time, you can kind of get stuck. And I was a little bit stuck. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And when I went there, things just shifted. You know, I was learning new things. I was around different kinds of people. I was stretching myself. You know, I had a real like growth mindset type of thing. But also I was in a space where I was quiet for the first time in my life. You know, I, I um, I'd never experienced silence like that, you know, and, and just like quiet. 
Um, and after you have that experience of like real silence, things get clear, you know, when things get quiet, they get clear. And um, I just, I kind of knew in a way what my life's purpose was. Not that I didn't know what it was before, but it, it set me into it in a deeper way. And I just came to accept myself a little bit deeper, regardless of, you know, what my family back home was going to say about it or, mm-hmm. you know, what my neighbors were going to say about it. I just sort of knew that I was going to do what I was going to do. And I was going to do it for the sake of love, for the sake of beauty, um, for the for, with excellence to, to the most excellently possible degree that I possibly could. And um, and I started trying, you know, um, and I started meditating. I started doing some more prayers and just kind of developing that side of my life a little bit more. And it was it was really interesting. You know, it was a very introspective time um, for me to live out there where there was no other Muslims, you know. Um, yeah. Were you like completely off the grid, like no social media, no phone, nothing? Was it like that? Yeah, the, the community is completely off the grid. They do have like solar. Um, so but we didn't have running water. We didn't have a kitchen in our house. We didn't have <clears throat> sorry. We didn't have a toilet. <laughs> You know, Your parents would have been like, I'm sorry, we brought you from uh, Syria. We came from Syria for this. We could have just sent you back if, you, if that's the experience mm-hmm. you want. Uh, or back to Flint. Did so. you hear our conversations? Because that was literally verbatim. Like, literal <laughs> verbatim. What they said. <laughs> that's you what know, my parents would have been like, you want to go where? They don't have bathrooms, like dirty hippies. Like, do people shower? People just running okay. around naked. Like, what are you trying to do here? Um, no. <laughs> you're like mom and dad it's a cult okay and i'm yeah. joining yeah. <laughs> like, it's fun. they were terrified they were really scared that it was and um it does you know it's a beautiful space but you know there's there's some of that energy around you know some yeah i think it depends on the person too like can get caught up into things so if you're exactly. sort of going in wide-eyed and you know like eyes wide open like what you're gonna what your purpose mm-hmm. is, then it, be- exactly. it becomes harder for someone to like. Pl- also, it's like if you have that sense of belonging already or you know where your community, that's why people join cults, I think, because they want yeah. like to belong to something. So if you don't feel like you have that, then it's so much easier to go with whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, exactly. But, when you have yeah. no standards, you're just, yeah. you know, w- when you when you have a, a real void of love, when you have a real void of being seen, like those are the people that can really get taken advantage of, unfortunately. And um, people who understand human psychology, they're they're the worst perpetrators, you know, because they see somebody who's wounded. They see somebody who just wants somebody to see them and they will see them and they will take 100% advantage of that person. I mean, I'm, I'm very lucky, alhamdulillah, that, you know, I had a decent on my shoulders. I mean, not to say that I didn't do wrong things at certain points. <laughs> I mean, we're only human. Yeah. You, you, you can only, sometimes you have to learn from those you live and you learn. type of mistakes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we want you, Mona, to teach us and our listeners about, um, we have a segment called 50 Shades of Brown, and we have our listeners write in kind of like relationship advice questions, and it's usually other kind of um, brown folks, Muslims like yeah. ourselves, sort of dealing with similar issues. So um, if you are ready, we are going to mm-hmm. pull one up for us. So, so. here's one um, 
that was very, I thought would be good for, for your, um, for you. So one of um, our listeners was asking, how do you introduce uh, someone with a different ethnic background to your parents? Someone that you're involved with and you're trying to, you know, be in a relationship with. You just got to do it. <clears throat> don't wait. Don't wait for mm -hmm. the right time. Don't keep secrets. Cause that's what makes stuff get bad. You know, when, when they feel like they weren't a part of the process, you know, mm -hmm. I think they get their feelings hurt. And if you're serious about a person, I really just feel like you have to be sincere. You have to be upfront and just be like, this is my life and I need your support right now. You know, and I, I like you say you love me. This is this is how I need you to love me right now by supporting me through this relationship, through this time, X, Y and Z. You know, um, I. I'll just share my story, like when Sebastian was serious, I was like, listen, I want to be with a Muslim, period. I want to raise my kids Muslim, period. I want to raise my kids with a, you know, a love centered, God centered life, period. Um, and if you're interested in that, we can move forward and talk. I was just really clear and upfront with him. Um, and yeah. I think that made things easier because I wasn't like, I mean, I just wasn't trying to mess around. I wasn't trying to, you know, have a like whatever relationship. I wasn't trying to just like have a boyfriend. I was like, listen, like I am trying to get married. I'm going to be really honest. I am trying to start a family. Like I am trying to build a life for myself. And if you want that, cool. And if you don't, like, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste your time. I'm not interested in just like sleeping with people. Like I am interested in building a beautiful life. Um, and, you know, that can include sex. And, and that's wonderful. That's a wonderful part of life. But that's not my goal. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a goal I have. Like, that just happens for me as a, as a result of a, a beautiful commitment and relationship. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> when I said all that and he wasn't terrified <laughs> and he was like actually doing research about Islam and like interested and, and his God brother growing up actually became Muslim when, when they were teenagers. Oh, so, oh wow. Yeah. He'd already been like around Muslims. He'd already spent time mm -hmm. with Muslims. He'd already spent time in Morocco with, with that Muslim, that particular Muslim family. And so it wasn't like such a weird thing for him, you know, to just like be around Muslims and mm -hmm. be in kind of Muslim culture. And, um, you know, he became Muslim and he was like, hey, like, do you want to get married? <laughs> and I was like, OK, you know, but let's let's go talk to my family. And yeah. so he flew from New Mexico to Michigan and he met my parents and um, it wasn't easy. We were both really scared. You know, and, and especially him being a new Muslim, I think he was intimidated that he wouldn't be up to like snuff. He wouldn't be good enough, you know, mm -hmm. but the reality is that they saw that he was a good person, you know, and they saw that he loved me, you know, and that he wanted the best for me um, and that we had a harmonious relationship, you know, and that we were going to try to make each other better as human beings. And that was enough. You know, my dad, who was a man of very few words, said a plus personality, you know, about him. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> he was on board. That's, a plus, that's a great a plus person. I love it. And I think once, um, 
you know, once you introduce them to somebody that is wholesome and good, they mm-hmm. can see beyond just skin color, culture, yeah. whatever. Like ho- none like, of that matters. That's a goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I, it's like that's the stuff that even makes you a good Muslim. A Muslim, Muslim a good like per- your values, being a good person. Your, yeah, what, what, yeah, like your soul. And your dad saw that. So yeah, and and I'll be really honest. Like I think if they had it their way, like I probably would be raising my kids, you know, they would be full Arab, you know, like Arab supremacy Mm -hmm. is real. Like we want our kids to speak Arabic. We want our kids to be Arab. Like that's, that's real. And I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I had, I had bigotry and hatred in my heart towards white people. Like every, every Mm -hmm. terrible thing that's happened to me out in the world has been at the hands of white people. Like, yeah, just being totally I mean, real. Still, generally speaking, look what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a just like a made up bias or something. It's, it's a real, real experience that all minorities have, have yeah. had. When people have the like, you know, the the black man stereotype as like the angry, scary man. I'm like a hundred percent the opposite. Those are the men who's always stood up for me. Those are the men yeah. who've always had my back growing up. Who you know, Muslim or not, will say salams. Just yeah. to let me know they're there, they see me, like yeah. they're present, like they're they're here, they see you, you know. And so for me, it was kind of the opposite situation where I don't only experience discrimination and xenophobia, Islamophobia from white people, largely white men and sometimes white women. So when when it was like a white man in my life, I was like, God, okay, you're funny. Like this is <laughs> You know, I was like, good one. Oh, well played. All right. (laughs) For real. And and it was not easy. It wasn't, it wasn't easy for me, you know, like leave my parents aside for me. I had to get over it. I, I, in a real way, I didn't want my kids to be half white. You know, that was a real thing that I had to think about. And, um, you know, I realized that that was wrong. That was discriminatory. And, you know, I had to. I really did have to see that our souls were connected and, you know, that that there was something in our relationship that was calling us to a, a higher goodness, you know, no. and that we were going to grow together and we were going to make each other better, you know. That's beautiful. And right now, do you speak Arabic with the kids? And is your husband like, does he try or how's that? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's an ongoing uh struggle and uh, we work on it you know um I I feel like I I try but it's I should be doing a better job I'll just put it that way I I have to be doing more with my kids especially it's hard and one of like my nephews and nieces like and my sister-in-laws grew up in Palestine like Mm -hmm. like grew up mostly only speaking Arabic and now being in America the kids don't even speak. It's such yeah. a struggle. We all like, like whenever our parents hear us, they get mad. They're like, speak to the kids in Arabic. And it's hard for us because totally. we grew up here. And even the ones that grew up in Palestine being in America. So it's not like, I think you'd have that regardless yeah. if you were married to an Arab American or who, whomever. Mm-hmm. It would have been the same, same way. Thing. It would it's, be just hard. as hard. Yeah. Cause you're, it's, it's what you're speaking, what you're comfortable speaking um, to your, you know, spouse. And you know what's interesting is like, I, I feel like what my mom would speak to me in Urdu uh, growing up, but like, 
like I was so uncomfortable speaking it my whole life or well my whole like like youth so I think I was like 14 15 is when I was like getting better about it and I was like more comfortable so I wouldn't even speak it back to her I'd be like responses in like English afraid to, yeah my yeah. my nieces and nephews are the same way like barely like they'll respond in English so like yeah. you know give give yourself some cut yourself some slack because yeah. I think regardless it w- would be an issue being in the U.S. I think that's the the thing. So true. All of that is so true. And, you know, the reality is I had to make an effort. You know, I had to decide mm-hmm. I wanted to speak out and be at a high level. I decided I wanted to go to Syria and study. And I did, you know, and I took it upon myself. And I do continue to take it upon myself to speak to elders only in Arabic, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's important to me because it's important to me. And my kids are going to have to make that decision. You know, they're going to have to say, well, I want to connect with this part of my identity and they're going to have to make an effort, you know, and yeah, I, I can, I can give them a little bit of a basis, but they can choose, you know, like my older son, he can choose to be Jason later on in his life. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh-huh. his actual? Do you want to yeah, say his, his actual? I'm just curious. <laughs> he's, he's named after my grandfather. His actual name is Sophie. Sophie, Sophie. that's a great name. That's a beautiful name. That is beautiful. Thanks. So that's not hard to say. And uh, yeah. it's not. Or, no, but he was. You know, we were we were out in the middle of uh, New Mexico where it's no Arabs. You know, and it's not only is it no no Arabs around. It was like like proud of conquistador Spanish mm-hmm. European history. Like mm. we're proud to be Spanish, not Mexican. You you know, like I yeah, see. there's a lot of by a lot of yeah. bigotry, I will say, straight up between that and right. Yeah. So, so I can only imagine. Know, yeah. He was he was around basically white kids and those kids and then a few native kids. And that was it. You know, like so, yeah, I mean, I kind of get why he felt that way. And he also didn't want me picking him up from school. You know, um, he would prefer his father picking him up. And and he was only like six years old at the time. But he, he and he couldn't articulate why. But if I picked him up, he he would be upset. You know, he didn't want because I guess it impacted his life at school. So that was heartbreaking for me. And like I said, That's that hard. was the real reason why we ended up coming to Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be so tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things like our kids and we passed that, I mean, just unfortunately that, that they have to experience. And it's heartbreaking because you've experienced this. So you know so exactly. You get it. Yeah, You're like, I what know what is this like. is. We're going to Flint. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Ann Arbor. Now. Ann Arbor. Depending <laughs> on whether you like it or not, you know. Like, good. I feel you. I feel you. Uh, I think they'll appreciate that, though, when they're, they're older. They'll really, yeah. you know, it, it, all of us, like when we're kids, we don't know anything. And then when we're older and reflect back, we're like, oh, I'm yeah. glad our parents did that. So. Right. We have a better understanding of yeah. why our parents did X, Y, and Z. And we're like, oh, yeah, that was good for me. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, Mona, we actually have one last segment. We talked a little bit about white people. And yes. here's a here's <laughs> a segment where we get to, uh, you know, reach across the 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 board. What? The borders? Sure. The and we just we I don't connect. Know. Divide. Yeah. Reach across the, the divide. divide. Yes, sure. The divide. Exactly. I love that. Our divide. It's called keeping up with the Caucasians. <laughs> so we talk about things that white people do and whether mm-hmm. we as people of color also do these things. So um breaking wonder bread together. Yes. <laughs> so we've got different 
different categories that you can choose from, um, and then we'll throw out something at you. So, Sabine, do you want to read yes. out the different so categories? So here's some categories. Let me know what uh, what you like. Food or beverage, pop culture TV, activities, style clothes, phrases or sayings, miscellaneous. miscellaneous. Dang. Um, activities. Activities. Okay. I love that. Have you ever done Soul Cycle? Can't say that I have. <laughs> any Amazing. kind of spinning place? Yeah, any spin class. I've never been to a spin class, but I do have a stationary bike. That's okay. That's a, is it a Peloton? Definitely not. <laughs> okay, you okay. pass. Okay, you pass. You pass. It, it, it costs like, way less dollars. <laughs> Um, I went to Soul so Cycle funny. class only because somebody got it for me as a birthday gift, which I'm like, do you know me? You're making me <laughs> exercise for my birthday. Like, and it was like yeah. four classes. They're not cheap, guys. No, like, they're like, not. Give me that. No. It is a nice gift. It is nice. I'm, but I'm like, if you're going to spend a hundred something dollars on yeah. my birthday gift, like, don't, I was like, give also, me a you, nice purse. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to say? But I did it. And it was so funny because it was it is very like white centric and very white women centric and yeah and this was on like the upper east side when i was living there at the time and uh it was so like the like that fake motivational speaking which just makes me laugh like which is it's so funny and i feel like that's the main purpose of soul cycle it's less about about the the cycling yeah it's more about about like <laughs> they're like, yeah, it's just like you feel motivated afterwards, you know? It, they're like, yeah, this is your best self. This Look, is the first. I, yeah. I took a class and I was just in pain. I'm like a bony person and I did not want to sit oh, on yeah, that chair the, for so long. Those seats I was like, hurt. You're- the seats hurt. And I was like, I, if I do this, I'm going to need to invest in padding and this is too much work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm just not an exercise person in general. So. You know, I'd much rather yeah. go on a walk. Like, walk. yeah, yes. I, don't I feel know. like our people really like to walk. They love walks. They love walking. Oh gosh, like, even our yeah post dinner walks, yeah. post eating walks, and it's good. It's good for you. It's great exercise. But yeah, mm-hmm. I felt like it was just forced. Like, and particularly Soul Cycle feels cultish as opposed to some yeah. of the other spin gyms. Like there was one, another one like that was across the street from me that I went one class to, and it was fine. It wasn't all that like whatever but um again i it's not something that like and i think it's community too it's all these like yes upper east side it moms that it's like it's culty yeah it is so that's their like yeah their i have i have one more to throw at you guys yeah. i want to see if this is something either of you have done i know you said you don't really exercise much but how about hot yoga have either of you done hot yoga I oh did. you have i have not Ooh. yeah we got mona <laughs> I did her. do hot yoga for a minute after my first what? child was born. Yoga is appropriated oh, that's right? true. from Indian culture. It was appropriated, but yeah. then the hot now, piece was definitely. But it's just a hot there thing. in India. It's just hot. Okay. So they're um, like, <laughs> it's just called I yoga. See. There. I see what you're saying. Okay. Hilarious. <laughs> but you've done it. You said, you know what? Yeah. It was. Like I have autoimmune issues. So for me, I prefer the warmth in general, like the air conditioning, like actually will make my joints hurt. So I was like, this is interesting, mm-hmm. you know? So when I went in there, like people were passing out though. Like so I, that's, that was yeah. my, that's why I won't, yeah. but someone asked it's me to go safe. the other day. I'm like, yeah, I have like heat issues. I'm not very Same. heat tolerant. So I'm like, not either. If it's too sunny out and I'm like trying to play tennis, like I, I play tennis, but like I have to do it when it's like a little bit more cloudy because yeah. the, the oh, no, sun I'm will really get me. all about the sun. I love the heat. 
So for I mean, me, if there's that water like nearby, exciting. I like it. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I don't like heat without like if it's like a yeah. beach or something or somewhere I can be I can like get wet and then be in the heat. That's right. okay. But I've I've like I have like heat stroke issues. So I'm like I'm for gonna sure. take. Yeah. Oh yeah, she passed out on like the last, train platform. La, yeah, last summer. So I've what? and this is like so my third scary. time. The first time was in the Uxa and I threw up. Like right really? outside the Uxa, I oh. threw up. It was really hot and I threw up and then I like almost blacked out. And then <gasps> then it just happened another time in Palestine. It's my, and then when I was there, I would try to walk. Literally, it was like a mile, but it was all uphill. And I was like, this mm, is insanity. I was like, but I, I do think, like, yeah, the heat is, um, like, I like a sauna or a, like the yes. whatever for like a steam room for like a few minutes, but I, I can see like the therapeutic aspect of it. Yeah. But I think the way it's been culturally appropriated and what hot yoga is today mm -hmm. or spin, it's just like it, the people that it attracts, it's, it's like not. It's not people like us. They're, we're not like their no. their target. No, we are not the yeah. target. And I will say, I felt very out of place, and I ended up stopping because it just wasn't fun. You know, having people like yeah. watch me in my postpartum body and my hijab, like doing all the the little mm -hmm. poses, and the teacher coming by, being like, "Is it okay to adjust you?" Like, like her. Mm -hmm. not, but meanwhile, like not asking anybody else. Like, I get that. That's respectful. But also, like, you're not asking anybody else. Like, what am I, you know, yeah. just, like, untouchable? Like, what? You know, I don't mm. know. It just, there were, yeah. there were yeah. so many levels of that. Like, that was just one very small example where I just stopped going because it was too weird. It was too uncomfortable. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I had a whole Groupon thing. I had a whole, like, like signed up, you know. Oh, I was that is the most Arab Brown thing too. I get everything I on love Groupon. That so I get much. Everything. Yeah, I've gone to doctors via Groupon. I mean, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll do anything for a good deal. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Wow. So you quit in the middle That's of that hard Groupon. When you That's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when Oof. you've already paid for it, but at a certain point, you're I just like, I don't want to be around these yeah. people. I don't want to yeah, be around I feel them. You. Okay, it's like we got you, but now it's canceled out and negated <laughs> by the fact that you quit and you had it on Groupon. So I feel like that you've yeah. redeemed your your oh, yeah. Arabness. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think she like she earned well, it back. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's safe to assume you haven't done any of the. We all have all these other like active like snowboarding, skiing, all that stuff. It's Actually, I grew like, up snowboarding. Extreme. Yeah, I. Whoa. Oh, that's cool. Because yeah, it's Michigan, it snows so much. Yeah, you gotta have sense. some kind of some winter get you out of the house type of thing that makes and sense it was yeah it was honestly so much fun like yeah but i, I would go with I've a whole bunch of it. muslims yeah oh really yeah. That's, oh i love that <laughs> that's cool skiing's a lot easier i know i snowboarding's hard girl that's impressive i was young so like balance yeah, yeah. wow we were young and in shape. Flexible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what that hot yoga is for. Exactly. No. Um, that's awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Mona, for speaking to us. We're so excited mm -hmm. to watch the Great Muslim American yeah, Road I'm so Trip. About so it's that. coming out July 5th, right, to the 19th. Um, and it's going to be every Tuesday. That's right. I think so. And like, yeah. <laughs> well, people have to check yes. their local listings because different PBS okay. stations have different um, show times. Oh yes, it's gonna be 10 p.m. Eastern, is right. what I've heard mm -hmm. through the grapevine, through the grape leaf vine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but where can our listeners find you? And anything else that you want to plug? Anything coming up or just? Yeah, I'm at monahaydar.com, and um, I'm on Instagram at the most mona, 
And uh, I really have loved talking to you guys. Thank you so much. It was, Aww, you this too. was amazing. Oh, it was so good this to meet so you. This was so inspiring. Wish, Thank yeah. you. I wish we could have done it in person. You all are so fun. I know. Yeah. Please, and if you lovely. come back to New York, of course, like, please hit us up. Yes. I like, would love to see you. And I'll let you know if we, um, yeah, if we're ever in, in Michigan. Because yeah. it's, a, it's a great place. And we've done comedy. There's a lot of mm-hmm. like comedy and stuff there. So inshallah, we'll get to come. Yeah. Um, and thank you, listeners. You can follow us at No Fly List Pod. You can follow me at Ethereum. And you can follow me at Sabine Comedy. And thank you, Canal Street Radio, for having us. Thanks, Mona. Thank you so much, Mona. 